0: Welcome to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm your host, Paige Donner. You're listening to the original radio show and podcast about food and wine, broadcast from Paris, France. On Paris Good Food and Wine. We delve into the topics of food, wine, and all their related subjects, talking with an array of people whose expertise both pepper and help ferment the food and wine scene in Paris, France, and the world at large. We're glad you can join us here for the delicious stories we bring you on Paris. Good food and wine. Please leave your comments, reviews, and suggestions. You can also contact us at our Twitter at Paris Food Wine or on our website Paris Food and or on my Instagram page PAIGE Food Wine. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Tune in radio and wherever you download your podcasts. In episode sixty-six of Local Good Food and Wine, we hear from Dr. Mahalachumi Arujanan. She's the global director of the International Service for the Acquisition of AgrobioTech Applications, or ISA, for short. We engage with her in a robust conversation about the nutrient-enhanced GABA tomato that was achieved by Japanese researchers using the CRISPR-Cas9 gene-editing technology. The implications of this successful vegetable tweak may be far-reaching and could offer significant positive impacts on both climate change, affected crops, and global food insecurity. Speaking of nutritionally-enhanced foods, I must share that my recent participation in the NASA co-sponsored Deep Space Food Challenge was quite the experience. No, I did not win. My submission of nutritionally enhanced foods for deep space consumption was beat out by dried powdered reconstituted insect paste, which leads me to wonder if by sending people into deep space, we're not in fact sending them to some kind of culinary outpost hell. I mean, personally, I'd probably forgo a trip to the moon, all expenses paid, if I was told I had to eat dried reconstituted insect paste for a week. But that's just me, and astronauts are obviously made of tougher stuff. On that note, though, I want to start this podcast by playing the opening minute of celebrity chef David Chang's new food documentary called The Next Thing You Eat. This is the opening statement to the episode, The Rise of the Machines.
1: Talking with Silicon Valley, the tech world, because they're like, food, come on, like, you know, we create AI, you know, we create smartphones, we put fucking satellites in space. This is lowbrow shit. We can do this like that. I remember talking with one of NASA's chief engineers about food. This asshole tells me I can recreate your cooking intuition. That was the general sort of sentiment from the tech world, that food and the creation of food was a fucking zero one. It was a binary thing. We could be replaced, we could be automated and it could be scaled very quickly. They just believed that they could. Technology has fundamentally altered the restaurant industry. And I don't know if we're prepared for it. All the shit was going to happen. But you never would have heard about it in the news. Because it would have happened over a long period of time. (laughs) It's been a while. Growing concern over a growing health crisis. Over a million have now been infected by coronavirus.
0: Now, I don't necessarily share these sentiments regarding engineers or NASA with Chef Chang. In fact, having just had several proposals declined that I put my all into, I must admit that a kinder, nicer no never before fell upon my ears. In fact, everyone I've had the honor and pleasure to be in communication with at our esteemed space agency, NASA, have been overwhelmingly polite, courteous, kind, and not without a good sense of humor. But one thing that could be a bit lacking in terms of corps d'esprit is their focus on food that tastes good, as well as being nutritious. Whether you're on the space station or on your way to Mars. Well, enough said. Back to our CRISPR-Cas9-gaba-tomato discussion. Surely you'll find, like I did, that Dr. Maha is one of the most articulate and knowledgeable crop and agricultural scientists you'll ever hear speak on a podcast. Now you can find Paris Good Food and Wine on iHeartRadio, as well as on Spotify. And also, as always, on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher.
2: Okay, so for this episode of Local Good Food and Wine, I have the distinct uh, pleasure and honor of speaking with Dr. Mahalachuni Aujanan. And she is the global coordinator of ISAAA, which is the International Service for the Acquisition of Agrobiotech Applications. Uh, did I get all that correct?
3: Oh, very good. Yes.
2: Okay, terrific. And now you, your organization is based partially out of Ithaca, New York, but you are based in Malaysia. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Okay. And as the global coordinator, what, what kind of uh, responsibilities do you oversee?
3: Okay, so AISA is an international not-for-profit organization. And our aim is to provide technology is to provide knowledge transfer or we we would like to say we feed the world with information knowledge on agri biotechnology and to do that we actively do that through our two regional offices one is in southeast asia based in the international rice research institute in the philippines and the other one is in africa in kenya nairobi based in international livestock research institute ilri so uh, we engage with stakeholders, including the public, the media, policymakers, politicians, scientists, regulators, on various issues relating to agribiotechnology. And we want to support the approval, the adoption, and the research commercialization of crop biotechnology.
2: Yeah, well, that's um, that's quite a breadth and scope that, that you oversee. And interesting that you are, would you say that your organization is focused mainly on the continents of of Africa and Southeast Asia, or is it really global?
3: Because you you do have an office in Ithaca, don't you? Yes, we have have an administrative office in Ithaca based in Cornell University. Uh, The reason why we have two regional offices in Africa and Southeast Asia is because we serve Africa, the whole of Africa, and we also serve the whole of Asia, mainly where the developing nations are. Now, we are also working uh, very closely with our partners in Latin America, another big region where developing countries are. So we really feel that this is where technology support and um, knowledge outreach programs, capacity building is needed. But we do a lot of programs with developed nations as well, especially with the US, Australia, and many other countries.
2: Okay, well, wow, yeah, impressive. I, you know, again, it's, it's quite a pleasure to, to meet you, Dr. Maha. Um, okay, so we're we're meeting today. We're having this interview today for the podcast to discuss the genetically enhanced tomato that a company in Japan actually pioneered, San- Sanatech, Sanatec Seed. But let's start from the beginning. And can you, because they used CRISPR nine gene editing, and there's been so much talk in the last couple years, uh, you know, about this gene editing tool. Can you just explain to our, our listeners and to myself really too, what exactly is CRISPR-9?
3: Okay, CRISPR-9 sounds like a big term. Now, let me decipher that a little bit. And uh, as you said, the GABA tomato was developed using CRISPR-9 Cas, uh, CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technology. So, putting it in simple language, CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. So these are short sequences of DNA, which is genetic material, that read the same forward and backward. Scientists found that these sequences in bacteria first and later learned that um, they play an important role in protecting bacteria from attack of viruses. So what happens is when a virus attacks a bacteria, the DNA is damaged. But because they have these short sequences, the DNA is quickly repaired. So that is what happens in bacteria. So today, scientists use this technology to make targeted uh, improvements within the plant's existing DNA. Let me give you an analogy. If you typed an essay uh, about mustard and you accidentally typed custard in many parts of your essay, you don't need to delete the entire file, right? Mm. All we do is find custard and replace that with mustard. (laughs) And this is what CRISPR-Cas9 does uh simple right so excellent CRISPR-
2: excellent example yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> so crispr cas is made of a guide rna and this is like the find tool right the, the you go to find and then you type the word that you want to find so cas9 does that what um, it does is it travels along the dna of a crop uh, or any organism for that matter and then looks for where you exactly want to cut now the cutting is done by the enzyme called cas9 So that is why you will always see this term crispr cas9 so this cas9 is like the cut and replace tool in our word document so the guide rna will identify where you need to cut and then uh, the cas9 it um, it's like a scissors then it will cut make a cut there and the cells molecular machinery will then repair the cut that is made either by silencing certain gene um, making modification, or new genes can also be inserted. So basically, this allows undesired genes to be silenced or deleted or desired genes to be added. I hope that's simple enough.
2: That, you know That is that is the best explanation I've heard or seen so far, Dr. Maha. It simplifies it, but it also clearly explains it. I'm sure you're going to be quoted <laughs> quite, quite yeah. a lot. That's a very good explanation. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. All right. Well, without explanation, Dr. Maha, on that succinct and very to the point uh, explanation of CRISPR-9 or CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing tool. So now, how was CRISPR-9 used to nutritionally enhance the GABA tomato?
3: Okay. Now we are talking about another jargon here, right? GABA. So let me simplify GABA. GABA, G-A-B-A is gamma-aminobutyric acid. So GABA is naturally present in tomatoes, and they are even higher when the tomatoes are green, at about 50% of the total free amino acids. But as the fruit mature and then reaches the rate stage, GABA levels decline to less than 20% of the total free amino acids. So this is what scientists wanted to do. They wanted GABA to remain high. GABA production in tomatoes involves a specific path that, in, uh, that involves many enzymes. So that can be a little bit complicated and I'm going to make it simpler again here. To increase the amount of GABA, an enzyme that is responsible to turn glutamate to GABA has to be activated. But what happens is, as the tomato mature and reaches the uh, rate stage, that's a DNA sequence that inhibits this enzyme. That means this enzyme cannot do the function. So what scientists have done is they deleted this enzyme using CRISPR-Cas. And I explain how deletion is done, right? Using CRISPR-Cas. So that's what scientists have done. So now in GABA tomato, this enzyme is available to change glutamate to GABA. So this is my simplified explanation.
2: I see. Okay. All right. All right. So that was... Um... From my non-scientific background mind, um, that that is a, a little bit a little bit complicated. But in essence, I believe what you're saying is it's really enhancing. I mean, hyperfold a certain like, nutritious element within the tomato. Is that correct?
3: Yes, exactly. So as I said, GABA reduces as the fruit matures, and there are many reactions that inhibits. Uh, or or slows down the production of GABA. So scientists basically enhance the production of GABA. I think that's the simpler way to put it.
2: I see, okay, all right, interesting. Okay, now um, our next couple of questions are gonna start touching on policy, regulatory issues. And I wanted to start that off by reading just a couple of sentences from a statement issued by the International Seed Federation. Because I think, of course, when people start hearing about gene editing tools and food, they start to think ah, Franken food, you know, that's right. Yeah. So, um, but I, I wanted to, to read this because they're both in Japan and the United States, and we're gonna discuss that. There's been some really very proactive uh, regulatory regulations coming out about this that are positive for this development. So this is from the International Seed Federation. The International Seed Federation welcomes the welcomes the announcement of the first voluntary notification of genome edited high GABA tomato in Japan. The Japanese ministries in charge announced their determination that the genome edited GABA tomato will not be regulated as a genetically modified product. Now that's very interesting, and we're gonna test that. You're gonna explain. I hope you know you're gonna. We'll explain or discuss that with us a a little bit. My next question to you was, is this going to be considered a GMO or non-GMO crop? Um, What what about in other countries aside from Japan and the U.S.?
3: Uh Okay, so there is no one answer to this question. It depends on the countries, just like what you said. So many countries are making science-based decisions by announcing that this particular tomato is non-GMO. And many other, not only this tomato, many other types of gene editing is non-GMO, just like what Japan and US uh, has done. EU, on the other hand, is making everything developed using modern biotechnology a GMO. So I feel this sets a bad example to other countries, especially developing nations. And There are many other countries, on the other hand, are still discussing and consulting their stakeholders. I, my country, uh, for that matter, Malaysia, no decisions are made yet. And their decisions are still pending on gene-edited crops or organisms. So what we hope is um, that more countries will follow science by making the right decision.
2: Um, Can you elaborate a a little bit, just, you know, just offer an opinion as to why do you think Japan and the U.S. decided to classify this as
3: non-GMO? Okay, so you see, GMO is genetically modified organisms. Now, I must say this word itself is not scientific. It is a a legal word because everything that we eat are genetically modified anyway. Everything basically rice wheat oat um, barley everything that we eat has been modified in one way or the other but of course they are not modified using the modern technologies modern biotechnology they are either modified using uh, technologies like mutation breeding selection protoplast fusion and they are not considered to be gmos so in this case like what I said, the changes done are all within the tomato's natural genetic makeup. Nothing is added. No new gene is added. And I also said GABA naturally are present in tomatoes. Only thing, they decline as they mature. So there is no insertion of new DNA. But bear in mind, this does not mean scientists can release any new crops using uh, gene-edited crops without consulting the authorities. So the authorities will decide case by case, every gene-edited crops, and then they will decide whether this has to be, uh, this can be exempted or it has to be regulated. So CRISPR-Cas method uh, could also result in new genes inserted. I don't want to go into the details of it because CRISPR-Cas itself, there are three categories. And category three is where new genes can be inserted, and in that case, they will be considered as GMO. So, but in this GABA tomato, it's not a GMO because there are no new foreign gene inserted.
2: Okay, well, that's very straightforward. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's very yeah. Yeah, your explanations are very clear. <laughs> Thank you very much.
3: <laughs> I'm a, I'm trained in science communication, and that's my pa- passion.
2: Oh, excellent! Oh, good. good. Well, I I. I found the right person. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. So so then what about, so what, the CRISPR-9 gene edited foods, do they pose uh, any kind of potential risk for human health um, in terms of, of regular consumption? I see that there are, these tomatoes are actually on the market already in Japan. Mm-hmm. What about maybe for future crop health?
3: Okay. You see, that's what I said earlier. Uh, whether it is exempted or non-exempted, when scientists use GM technologies, genetic modification or gene edited technology, they are going to test it in the laboratories. uh, And they're also going to probably do animal tests and to see whether they pose any food safety issues or even feed safety issues meaning to animals if animals feed on them or livestock uh, are fed with these uh, crops so there will be tests done before commercialization and gaba tomato went through all these things as well and nothing was found to be unsafe Uh, again remember i'm just repeating this gaba is a natural compound in tomatoes So basically, this technology is an extension of breeding process. Any breeding process, we can do selection, we can do uh, grafting, we can do many other breeding processes. And this is an extension of breeding process. The only difference is CRISPR offers us more precision. We really know where the changes are done, where the gene is silenced, which gene is silenced. So very, very precise, unlike selection, unlike other breeding technologies unlike mutation where you know there can be a reshuffle of genome uh, genet- uh, gen- genetic material so if you are asking about crop health the improvements will favor crops as um, not in gaba but many other traits that scientists are working on many improvements are, will also favor crops because the, um, some traits will make them tolerant to extreme environmental conditions or resistant to pests so basically, all these are tested before they commercialized. Whether they are exempted or regulated, they are tested.
2: Oh, interesting. Well, now this is something we we didn't preview, but could if crops could potentially be climate resistant? Could this could this bode something? Could this bode well for climate change and mitigating against you know the the effects of climate change on certain crops?
3: Well, this is an urgent need page. We really need to do this because, you know, every country uh, without exemption, we are struggling with climate change and we need mitigation and also adaptation actions to be in place. And this technology, uh, genetic technologies, offer very good tools to make crops resilient to climate change. So we need crops that can tolerate drought, for example, and we already have through genetic modification. We have sugarcane that's tolerant to drought, uh, frost, for example, or high temperature. Um, so we, we need all things. salinity, which is also another effect of climate change. So yes, all this can be done and scientists are already doing this.
2: Wow that's that's really positive i mean that's very encouraging i guess i guess that kind of leads uh you partially already answered them the next question and that is you know is the tomato the only vegetable fruit that can be enhanced this way what what other what do you think might be some of the next fruits and and vegetables that that they start testing this
3: science there, on yeah there are a number of crops but i'll just give um uh, give you the uh, what can be done. So we are expecting more crops to be improved using this technology as improvements can be made very precisely, as I mentioned. Now shapes, sizes can be improved. For example, rice, the grain weight can be increased uh, colors can be enhanced where we can increase uh, beneficial pigments like carotenoids, which is a pro-vitamin A, anthocyanin, which is antioxidant, polyphenols, another antioxidant, all this can be increased. And what are the benefits? We all know antioxidant will scavenge the free radicals. And in modern lifestyle, we are all exposed to a lot of free radicals. Prolonged shelf life of crops, vegetables, fruits, uh, improved palatability Flavor and micronutrients can be improved. And this is very important because in many countries, the poorest of the poor are lacking micronutrients. And we can also reduce anti-nutrients. Now, we always think that all foods and crops are all nutritious, but crops also have anti-nutrients, meaning there are compounds that will inhibit or slow down the absorption of other nutrients, for example, iron or magnesium. So these are anti-nutrients. And if we eat... A lot of food with anti-nutrients, our mineral level will be reduced. So you see, by improving all these traits, this is going to really support food security, especially nutrition security.
2: Oh, wow. Again, very encouraging. You know, there are two realms that in my own experience, one, I've been very focused being based here in France. I've been very focused on Uh, wine like grapevines and and Mm -hmm. climate change and you know there's a lot of steps being taken uh, both here in in France and also in Spain I mean well pretty much across the world now so so this could be that that could be maybe our next conversation how can how can CRISPR 9 how can it you know maybe be used for um, climate resilience in in grapevines and and then the other thing too is you know I just participated in a in a food challenge sponsored by, by NASA actually. Mm. And um, yeah, and I was tempted to put this forward, but it seemed a little too, the, the challenge actually started back in January. So this, it, this was brand new, you know, back then, I think they were just releasing policy statements and stuff, but I did, I did put forward a um, my, my proposal, my submission had to do with enhanced nutrition in, for foods for deep space travel Exactly because of what you just talked about, you know, the antioxidants, you know, especially in, in deep space, uh, the free radicals are just, you know, basically you know, out of control. So the nutrition has to speak to that. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, I don't I don't want to throw something at you from you know from left field, but you know, I wonder how it seems like this could be very encouraging in terms of applications in both of those fields, viticulture and, and space food technology.
3: Oh, yes. You know, imagine uh, for those who are traveling into space, how much of radiation they're exposed to. So they need superfood, right? So this is, again, very promising. And um, if if astronauts are willing to travel to space, I don't see any reason why they should be fearful of eating genetically modified or gene-edited crops. So I think they should embrace this uh, really promising technology to provide them good, super nutritionally rich food.
2: Yeah. very, Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting.
0: Thank you for listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. We're speaking with Dr. Maha Lechumi Arujanan of ISAAA. I'm Paige Donner host and producer of local Good Food and Wine. Now you can find Paris Good Food and Wine on iHeartRadio as well as on Spotify. And also, as always, on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher.
2: Well, I had one last question for you, if I may, and it has more to do with policy. I believe you do work on policy. And uh, so I was wondering, are there any policy issues that you're considering in regards to this new technology development? Or what are some issues that, that you feel your community is considering or looking at, pondering?
3: Uh, We work a lot with uh, regulators on regulations policies and we help them with capacity building to develop their regulations. So what is important is regulators need to take into consideration the impact of over-regulations. And that is what is happening. We saw that happening in genetic modification and we don't want to make the same mistakes with gene edited crops or organisms. So over-regulations will be very costly because what happens is there are many activist uh, uh, groups who are demanding for so much of information that is basically nice to know. It's nice to know if um, the food that we eat does uh, have zero risk. But this cannot be established because zero risk is not scientific at all. Even if you go for a surgery, the doctor is going to tell you that these are the risks. Are you okay to go for a surgery or do you want to opt out? So there are risks with everything but what we need to do is ensure that this risk can be mitigated so that is where risk assessment how do we assess risk and once we know there are certain risks how do we manage the risk so that is risk management so this is where we need to be very scientific risk assessment and risk management so when it comes to regulation we need to make sure that regulators comply by science-based risk assessment and management. So regulations are there to ensure safety to humans, animals, and environment. And we cannot afford to spend so much of both time and funding to acquire data that does not help in establishing all these safety issues. And then if we really do that, it will result in loss of opportunities for many, especially those affected by food and nutritional insecurity, farmers who lack resources. Now, let me give you an example of a, a GM product, uh, golden rice, which was ready decades ago. If only it was approved a, a few decades ago, we could have saved millions of lives of children mm. and m- many cases of blindness. Uh, so we don't want CRISPR-Cas or gene editing to f- uh, face the same fate. So this is where policy measures must be science-based. And that is where ISA is working with many countries to ensure that um, decisions are made based on science.
2: That's interesting. You know, could you just give a little, like a
3: just a little bit of a backgrounder on that
2: on that golden rice? How could that have alleviated blindness?
3: Okay, so golden rice. It is called golden rice because it is rich in beta carotene, which is a pro vitamin A. And we all know, right, from young from school days, we are told to eat carrot because carrot has vitamin A. It's good for the eyes. So. Uh, golden rice is enhanced to uh, have more vitamin A. In fact, rice is basically devoid of many nutrients, vitamins and minerals. It's basically carbohydrate. And um, of course, you know, people who have got, um, they're more affluent. Uh, who have got more disposable income Uh, we have a colorful meal right we have rice we have fish we have chicken we have a few types of vegetables and we have fruits for dessert so that makes our diet balanced but in many parts of the world where people only eat rice um, and they can't have mutton and meat and fish and all the other um, nutritional food they are they're going to have uh, deficiency of nutrients and uh, vitamins So this is what scientists have done. Golden rice have got pro-vitamin A. So when we eat golden rice, the pro-vitamin is converted to vitamin A in our body. So that will prevent blindness. And in severe cases, it can cause death. And many children have died because of severe vitamin A deficiency. So this is where golden rice can help us.
2: That's a great example, Dr. Maha. Yeah, you know, yeah, this, our whole conversation begs the question of how efficacious can this be against food poverty, you know, which, which mm-hmm. is not, I mean, we think, of, you know, I mean, you know, we think of food poverty a lot in, uh, in developing worlds, but there are so many parts of the United States as well, that they're suffering from food po- poverty as well, maybe not lack of food. They have plenty of, you know, mm. starchy, white, bread and things like that fast food fast food exactly fast fast food with no nutrition in it mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah this uh, this just it, it feels very encouraging i guess it'll be a real question of um i mean do you, do you think it's going to be a real question of very science based communication that this is not franken food
3: uh, well, I think there is hope with gene-edited uh, gene crops. We see that the narratives have changed among many people, the public, the regulators, the policymakers. Somehow, they are more open to gene-editing. Uh, so we really hope that um, when more crops come, uh, come in, regulators will be more open. Japan, for example, they were not very friendly towards gene, uh, uh, gene modification, but now they are very uh, open to gene-editing. A- So it has opened more doors, maybe because it's more precise. And in gene editing, we can improve the traits without adding new gene. So uh, probably that is making people want or accept gene-edited crops.
2: Yes, I think, Dr. Mahal, I think that's why your explanation at the top of this uh, interview is so has so much power and punch to it because, you know, you really very succinctly explain that this is not adding something to an existing organism. It's just uh, refining it. Um, yeah. yeah. And that, yeah, that's There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference.
3: Paige, I, yeah, I want to add, even if we add a gene, it is not going to be hazardous or risky because genes move around so much i know one example is sweet potato sweet potato is a natural gmo the bacteria in the soil brought in so many genes from various plants and took it into this root uh, what was originally root and made it into a tuber so it's actually made up of many genes from different uh, different crops or plants so uh, adding a gene into a crop is not something that we need to be fearful and basically, what is a gene? It is made of four alphabets, or I would say alphabets. It's adenosine, uh, thymine, uh, guanine, and cytosine. And we have it all in our gene anyway. So we already have these alphabets. Adding another alphabet, which is the same alphabet, from another organism it's not going to do any harm. And again, these are tested.
2: Good, good, good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad you... you you know, you have this background because, um, you, you know, you, you lost me on part of that.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry, you can, edit. you can edit that if it is too much.
2: No, 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 not at all. No, it's more information is so much better than less information. It just means that I've got to go and do a little bit more scientific homework, mm-hmm. which is good. It's great. I mean, we need to learn more about what it is we're putting in our bodies because, you know, it comes down to health you know, and health of the planet and health of the human race. You know, this yeah. has been such an enlightening conversation with you, Dr. Maha. I, I really want to thank you so very much for agreeing to do this interview, for taking your you know, the time out, out of your busy day and for also for just being so
3: knowledgeable and willing really to share your knowledge with us. Thank you, Paige. It was really a pleasure sharing all these things with your audience. All right. Terrific. Did you want to say
2: anything about maybe where to find, you know, your organization website or anything like
1: that? Yes.
3: yes, You could put it in your podcast, our website. Uh, I think you have it. Uh, it's Isa.org. Yes.
2: And you know yeah. what? I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes.
3: As well as the, the and, your- yeah, you know, we have social media as well. We have got Instagram and uh the um, Twitter and uh, Facebook.
0: We're speaking with Dr. Maha Lachumi Arujanan of ISAAA. I'm Paige Donner, host and producer of Local Good Food and Wine.
3: Paige, I want to ask you. You, I don't know if you intentionally did that. You did not ask me about the benefits of GABA. What are the results of nutritional offering to of the tomato?
2: oh i i must have overlooked that well look we're, we're still recording so let me let me ask you that mm-hmm. question
3: yeah okay
2: um dr maha what are the nutritional benefits of the gaba tomato uh
3: so this gaba tomato now has got five times more gaba compared to our usual tomatoes uh, and this is an amino acid as i said earlier and this amino acid is believed to aid relaxation help lower blood pressure And we all know blood pressure can lead to damage to many organs. Um, It is also a risk factor uh, for heart diseases and stroke. And in our modern lifestyle, stress and anxiety are huge problems. And the pandemic, we all know, right? The pandemic even magnified this further. So GABA tomatoes are really a good addition to healthy foods.
2: Yeah, I mean, when when we hear about the the nutritional punch that this could really, you know, pack for, for consumers, it's this seems like a really wonderful breakthrough in terms of food security.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's you see, it's good because you don't have to pop supplements, you are going to get your additional nutrition by just eating food.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, you know, the, the next thing is, I really want to taste one of these Gaba tomatoes. I, I want oh, to yeah. see how they taste. Have you? Have you had the chance to taste
3: one yet? No, no. I really hope I can taste it as well. Not only Gaba, I want to taste the pink pineapple. I want to taste the golden rice. <laughs> <laughs> pink pineapple sounds sounds really great to me, yeah. 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 Okay,
2: all right.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast, Paris, Good Food and Wine. I want to say a big thank you, a qu'on merci beaucoup to everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And that includes you, too, our listeners. We greatly appreciate that you listen to us. We really do. So leave your comments, suggestions, and reviews on our website at parisfoodandwine.net. You can find our show notes at localfoodandwine. That's localfood.wine. Also, localfoodandwine.wordpress.com. On Twitter, you can find us at local food wine and at Paris food wine. So from your host and producer, me, Paige Donner, I want to wish you a bonne dégustation and à toutes et à tous à votre santé from Paris. Good food and wine.